We are looking for a regular human black male who was probably hyped up on drugs. This assailant is responsible for an attack on two of Freeland's finest officers, not some... I thought you were done being a hero. I am. Doesn't look like it. Thanks for stitching me up. Luckily, it's just a flesh wound. It doesn't feel like a flesh wound. Nine years. It's been nine years since I've even come close to using my powers. And each of those nine years, I've told you this city needs you. So what's next? Wait, you mean Black Lightning? There's no next. No, my, my daughter is safe. Do you remember why you became Black Lightning? You wanted to give the people hope. You wanted the evil that's out there to have something to fear. Right now, there's nothing to fear, and evil's running rampant like a plague through this city. Hell, through this world. Black Lightning, series premiere, this Tuesday at 9, 8 central on The CW. Episode 61. I'm Drew. And I'm Brent. Nicole Hill joins us this month to talk about her Doctor Who origin story, her recent trip to Gallifrey One, and how she got involved in podcasting. Then we look at Nicole's pick of the month, Black Lightning, the CW superhero drama that series developer Salim Akil describes as the Obamas of the superhero world. We discuss how the show modernizes the original source material, the relationship to the CW's other superhero programs, and how the show reflects current events. Warning, there will be slight spoilers ahead. And all that's coming up right after this. You're going to go in there and draw Black Lightning out. Got it? Got it. There's part of you I know that wants his old life back. I even heard you try to get your old girlfriend back. (laughs) You made a deal, son. Legs for loyalty. So Garfield, that girl... They belong to the past now. I want you to remember what they did to you. Hold on to that anger. Then go do what I need. All right, yeah. What was that? Yes, sir. (laughs) Screw up. And I'll rip that spinal implant out and shove it down your throat. Our guest this month could be heard on both the Who Watch and Black TARDIS podcast, and she joins us after getting back from Gallifrey One. Nicole Hill, welcome to Who and Company. Hello, thank you for having me. I'm hey. so glad that you're here. I'm yeah. glad to be here. I'm glad to be here. Uh, we have been doing this for, for two years now. It's It seems kind of ridiculous that it's two years, but um, we're just start off with doing a quick pandemic check-in. Uh, and I know it, asking... So, how's your pandemic coming along? <laughs> Seems a little more uh, <laughs> like it's minimizing how much of an effect this is having on the entire world. Um, but uh, how are you doing? 
I'm doing good. Um, I am one of those, one of the, I'll say few people are like who didn't, didn't change my everyday life that much because I'm just, I'm always at home. Um, I don't, uh, I go out like a few times a year and do like a galley or something like that. And that's my like, this is people time and then I'm home. So it was not that big of an adjustment in terms of my everyday life actually. Um, and so I've, I've been kind of in my element in a way. So I kind of feel bad when people who are like, I'm a, I'm an ambivert. So I'm both extroverted and introverted. Like when I'm with people, I'm very charged up by that. But then when I'm at home, I'm also very okay being alone for extended periods. And so some people are like, I'm dying. I was like, oh, I went to a con three weeks ago. Like I'm still, I still have the energy from that. Like I can ride on that for a while. Um, so like it's not been too bad. And like I'm, I live with family, so we're not by ourselves. And um, I am grateful to have like people in my immediate life who are all t- taking it seriously. So you don't feel like you have to be that the responsible person that's like making sure that people around you are doing what they have to do. Everybody in my house was like, when is it available? When is the, when, when can we get vaccinated? Like we went, like as soon as it was available for anyone, that was person made an appointment. We got it done. And so it's been very like, everybody's been on top of it. So I didn't have, I don't have to have that kind of additional anxiety of like having family members or friends who don't want to participate and then you have to like decide like can I spend time with this person um you know what 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 does that look like everybody's been on board so I've been really really grateful to have people in my life who are all kind of we all take it seriously and we all want to like we want to be around each other so like yeah I just want to be vaccinated I want to wear masks because I want to be able to be with the people I care about um so it's been, of course, just frustrating, but it's been great because, or not great, but I've had a great experience with the fact that pretty much everyone in my life is on the same page. So we've been able to like still spend time together and um, do what we have to do to keep each other safe. That's brilliant. Love it. How you doing, buddy? Good. Good. Um, things are as normal as normal can be right now, I guess. Um, my little niece it's a lot better she was only sick for two or three days when she bounced back but she's nine gotcha. <laughs> so uh she uh she was over that pretty quickly um but yeah everything's going okay with work and everything um the wife is still having a hard time uh getting a really good decent full-time job and that's because of the pandemic in this area and uh also North Carolina is about to lift the mass mandate. So uh that is coming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Virginia's uh about to do that as well, which is I don't know, somewhat disconcerting. I mean, with the library that I work at, the uh, it's it's been we can't enforce any kind of mask mandate. So most of the patrons at the at the library have been coming in unmasked, but uh we, the individuals who work there, we've all decided to remain masked just because, I mean, we see so many people day in and day out that it's, it's kind of a, just a choice. Uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, I had a small gathering that had our, like I had a first meal out at a restaurant, uh, in almost two years, uh, the other day, which was weird, but we were, everyone was vaccinated, uh, boosted, uh, and we were completely socially distant from everybody else in the restaurant. So even then, it still felt odd. But I think that had more to do with just not being used to doing that. It's been so long since that's happened. But 
yeah, otherwise, yeah, sort of business as usual for the last two years. Nicole, you just came back from, speaking of, like, wearing masks and socially distancing and taking care of you just came back from Gallifrey 1. I mean, yeah. just being, like, a, a week or so ago. How was that? Um, it was uh, it was great, actually. Um, I, I was kind of concerned because California uh, softened its mask mandates a little bit right before. Um, I think L.A. County kept them, or L.A. City. We have, like, you know, multiple levels, but, um, I think LA County was still like, nope, mass. Either way, I was like, okay, it's going to be a little more lax. They're not going to be as enforcing it because they don't actually have to from a legal standpoint, Mm -hmm. but it was very like (laughs) comforting to find that they were very adamantly enforcing it, at least in terms of what I could see. Um, I, when I checked in, um, or when, you know, when I picked up my badge, like they checked vaccination records, checked your ID, made sure everything was you know, up and up, they were, if they saw somebody with a mask, it was like, oh, you know, put your mask up. It wasn't, it wasn't like nobody seemed to be scared to like enforce. Um, and I was just concerned that like, oh, once we get there in the actual space, they'll say like, oh, we're going to enforce it, but actually walk around and not, they wouldn't do it. And it was complete opposite. I rarely saw people unmasked except in the areas you expect where food and drink are being served and people are eating. But even around those spaces, like a lot of times people would, you know, pop the mask off, take a sip, put that. Like it was just very, like everybody seemed to be genuinely trying to adhere to the rules and keep each other safe. And so it ended up being a really comfortable experience in a way I found surprising because I was really like, oh, let me, you know, I never have a low, like a room at the, at the hotel. And I was like, I'm going to keep my room this year um, instead of like driving or whatever I was going to do. And I'm like, because, you know, if people start acting crazy, I can go to my room and just like get away from people and I didn't have to do that that much really it was a lot of space for me to not be around people um because there were le- fewer people in general but also when people wanted to I guess eat or do other things where they had to be a mask a lot of people probably did the same thing I thought of which was like let's go to my room so we don't have to really be you know a lot more people in the same space um so it ended up being a very comfortable experience and I was very um grateful that they were they seemed to be enforcing the mask, they seem to be checking all the vaccination cards. Um, and so I guess for a, a con or for an event of that size, it felt like they were doing the best they could. You know, like I don't think they were um, slouching at all in that regards. Um, and so it ended up uh, being really, like I was able to enjoy the weekend completely because I never really felt like, ooh, should I, like, are they, is people in here that are not vaccinated? Should I be careful about this or that? It was very much like, I felt like we were all there. We all vaccinated, boosted. We all were wearing masks happily or at least not grumpily um and so and so it was able we were able to then just like after like the first night or so you're like okay i think it's fine like i think we can breathe a little bit and so you were able to enjoy it and had a good rhythm with folks so it's not bad i went to the long island who in new york in november and um, i had tickets to go to gallifrey one this year and between school and just general concerns of travel i didn't end up going but it wasn't the convention that I was worried about. It was more getting from from here to there and yeah. not being able to do, you know, I, I would still have, would have had to have done homework while at the convention. And that just didn't seem like that was going to be fair to either my homework or my convention experience. So I, I, I skipped it this year. I'm really hoping to make it next year. I missed it terribly uh and it's always nice to see everyone's pictures on social media but there's also part of me who just kind of wants to close the phone 
and not look at what everyone's doing until after it's done because it's just kind of like, ah, I could have been there. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> FOMO. Yeah. Yeah. I, I suffer, like, uh, I'm not an ambivert. I'm very much an introvert. Um, but I do suffer from FOMO. You know, like, I, I hate missing out if there's a chance of having done something. But usually by the time I get there, the my social anxiety will kick in. It's just sort of like, okay, do I really want to be here? And with Doctor Who conventions, the answer is almost always yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's amazing how many friends I have made in fandom that I don't see in per- well, you know, in the before times would not have seen on a in person on a regular basis. Everyone else is in another state, and I know through the internet or I know through a podcast. So Gallifrey and, and those conventions are a chance to kind of reconnect with the tribe, which I always like doing. Yeah. So I mean, it's how we met. So yeah, that's like yeah. that's one of my favorite aspects of Gallifrey One specifically because. It is so much about the people. That's why when people were like, I'm not coming, I'm not coming. I'm like, maybe I should not go. I don't know what to do because I go for the people. Like, I go for the experience, but I also go for the people. And so I was like, I don't know. Um, but enough people were still coming. And I was like, I haven't got to meet some of these people yet. I um, They're flying in. I'm just driving an hour or so away. So right. I'm going to take the drive. And, like, I'm so glad I did because, again, it's, once you're around, once I'm around people, then I'm charged up. And I'm like, sure. Yay, my people. And it was just, um, it it also just kind of made, it felt normal. Like, it felt good, like, to be able to, I mean, obviously, we still have masks on and everything. But, like, be able to hug people and be able to see them. And, like, you know, just that is one of those things you don't miss until you realize it's there. And he's like, oh, I, okay, that, yeah, I missed this. Um, and so, yeah, that was, the people were, like, the Big, the biggest draw for me because there was a good time where I was like, mm, it's fine. Like, I don't need to go. Mm. <laughs> I'm like, it's fine. And then so many people were still coming and I was like, but I don't get to see these people. They all on the East Coast and they all work all the time and I just need to try to like make it happen and I'm so glad that I like chose to like chose the people. Like, I chose to see them. So, yeah. Well, aside from seeing people that you, you know, are meeting new people and seeing people, folks that you hadn't seen in a while, uh, what were some of the highlights of Galley? Um, I really enjoyed it. So they had like a fantastic lineup this year of mm-hmm. guests. And I was just like floored, honestly. I was like, oh, these people are still coming. <laughs> um, so they had like Joe Martin, which of course, like for me, I'm like, Joe Martin, what? Um, they had Sasha um, Darwin. They had Mandip Gill. And so that was for me like the trifecta. I'm like, well, I definitely have to go um, because these are all, um, I realized in the moment they were having a uh, interview together. I realized while we were in the interview, I was like, oh my goodness, like, there are three, like, POC actors, and their characters are all in the current era, and they're all alive, which is like, it should not be a thing, but the fact that that is a thing I can say, I was like, these, like, that was wild to me. I was like, oh my goodness, like, that literally dawned on me in the middle of that interview, and I was like, that's, that's kind of iconic. It shouldn't be. It really shouldn't be, but it's iconic that it is, and I'm here to witness that um so that that, like just being able to like see them and be in the same room that was like really um incredible and I don't really do the experiences which I kind of like regret this year because it it sounded amazing and everybody I know who did it were like they were fantastic they did great photos they had great uh they had great you know mini greets and I was like ah me and my like just random decision. Like, I just never want to do it. Cause I'm like, if I do it once, I don't have to do it every time. Like I'm always have to do it. It's going to become like the default. And I don't always have money for that. So, right. Right. <laughs> but everybody I know who, um, had any interactions with them in, in 
whether it was in a official capacity, like through a photo op or just happened to see them in the hallway, everybody were like, they were so fantastic. They were great. They seemed really happy to be here. Um, and so that is always fun to hear, right? Like, it's great to hear that, like, they're also having a good time and it's not just like a work thing for them. Um, and like, you could kind of see it and how they interacted on stage and their various panels. Um, so it was like, I was genuinely excited, excited to like see and talk to like current, current characters, um, who, you know, like, you know, we, we, we talk to the older doctors a lot. We talk to older companions and like, it's always kind of a retrospective. And this time it, it is a little bit cause obviously they've already filmed, but it was right, great sure. that they could talk about something that is currently happening for us, like for us, it's not over. Like for Amanda, she stopped, they're done filming, but we haven't seen it. So there's a lot of things that like she has insight about that we can, you know, like we don't know yet. So that's exciting to think about. Like for her, like there's a story that she can't, there are things she can't answer because the story's not over. Like this is a right. current companion. Um, So yeah, I was just really excited to have people that are like, A, they're all people of color, all fantastic, fantastic like actors, like, some of my favorite people who've appeared on the show, like in this whole era. And just in general, they're all like really good interviewees. Like they were just like, you would think like, you would think out of three, like, oh, one of them might be kind of boring, but no, like for each one, like they all are very charismatic, very humorous. Like it was a really, really enjoyable, um, all of their, all of their content. And then in general, I feel like they just had a really solid, um, list of people that like, you know, they had people from production and people from, like, the writing team. And it was, like, every panel, even the ones I didn't go to myself, everyone was like, these are really good panels, really good questions. Like, everybody's having a really um, enjoyable time. And, like, they feel like, I don't know, I think people have been waiting for somewhere to speak. Like, waiting for an opportunity to really have these conversations. And, therefore, they are much more, you know, like, they are flowing. They're more fluid. They're more, like, relaxed. Because everybody's like, I can finally, like, talk to people about this. So, it was overall really, really good from uh, just like having really good panelists and really good like interviews. Um, were you involved at all in, in the convention? Like, were you a panelist? I didn't. So I didn't do a panel. Um, I did do a round of Quiz of Rasslon, uh, which is uh, like a pub quiz that was taken online. And I started doing it online. And um, my friend Mikey <laughs> is um, a chaotic monster. And I said, oh, are you, 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 are you going to Galley? Or, I said something about Gallifrey one. And he was like, oh, what about it? And then like 20 minutes later, he texted me. I was like, I have a ticket for Galley. And I'm like, he's in the UK. Like, this was a very sporadic decision on his part. But I guess he reached out to who he needed to reach out to to make it a part of the con. <laughs> so, um so yeah, he we did the quiz of wrestling. I did my round, um, which is always fun, and that's the only like official participation I had in the con this year. It's good to hear that, um, especially just jumping back for a second, um, that everyone seemed to have a really good time because one of the things that I, I've just noticed when I hear conversations from older fans talking about just Doctor Who in the past is that if you can get, um, Anyone involved with Doctor Who, while they're involved with Doctor Who, enjoying the conventions, they are far more likely to come back in the future versus mm -hmm. if they have a negative experience, they're less likely to return. And from what what you have said, but also from what I've heard from everybody else, it sounds like Joe Martin just had a blast at this convention. Yeah. <laughs> Mindy Gill said like, it seemed like just on social media said they had a blast. Sasha Dewan had a great time. 
uh, which is the, you're talking about the three three individuals who, uh, aside from folks who we've had on the show who I wanted to meet in person because it's always nice to you know to to meet the people we've interviewed. Um, just to hear that they've enjoyed themselves so much means that there's a chance that in the future yeah. they'll come back and we get to see them again. Um, our friends Lee and Nathan, of course, from Pixel Who. Um, I have a, a a little plaque that from the front of the TARDIS that I've had all the doctors sign, and uh, I, I sent it with them, and they got a signature uh, from Joe Martin on there. And I cannot wait to oh, take a look amazing. at that to have that added to to all the other existing uh, classic doctors. So I, I was uh, I saw a picture today of um, Sylvester McCoy. And I guess there was a pex, uh, plexiglass thing there, and he looked like really far away. <laughs> and um, I don't know. I just I just saw that this morning. I, that was something I was gonna ask. You know, were they up close and personal with people when they were taking pictures, or they were, um, you know, giving everybody distance? I guess it would depend on the guest. Yeah. It, it, so every, like pretty much everybody else <laughs> around me got a photo op or two. Um, like they were getting it was. Everybody I know was like, yeah, this is the year. I'm doing it. So I was like, okay, great. Living vicariously. Um, as far as I know, they were being very personable and very, like, it wasn't any... I'm sure they were different to a point of, like, not, you know, really close. But um, in the conversations, they said they walked up. They kind of leaned into conversation. For photos, some of the photos are, like, really close. I don't know if there's something there because obviously the green screen would kind of eliminate you being able to see if it's a plexiglass but some people are very like it's like back to back it's like side by side it's not like a there are pictures where it's like a really big gap and i don't know if that's maybe awkwardness and just like not wanting to get close to them because some people i know are like right there and i'm like are they letting y'all do that like are they letting y'all just uh lean together um i wasn't sure i was just like the picture came out great you look like y'all both look happy in the picture which i think is I think one of my fears about buying photo ops is that the other person, like the person you paid to get a picture with is just like, I'm like, yeah. I don't want that picture. All right, you can keep this. <laughs> so like, um, but every picture I saw was like, I really think Joe was living her best life. Like I honestly feel like she was having the best time. It was so evident. Cause I, again, didn't pay for a photo op, but where, you know, where her signing was, my friend was getting her thing signed. I just happened to be walking up to see my friend. I was like, Oh, and she's like, and I was like, yay, I got the wave at her. Like, I was so happy. But I mainly, because I, I have a fear of, like, you wave at them. And they're like, oh, my goodness. Like, I'm on the clock. And it was not like that at all. Um, and every every picture I see, everybody feels looks very, like, casual. It doesn't really look like it. It's like, oh, we're distancing. Um, and the few pictures that look like that, I feel like more are people just kind of nervous about, like, leaning into the photo. More so than it being, like, a distance thing. So I would imagine that it's partially that they probably especially somebody like Sylvester McCoy they probably like we're gonna keep him safe obviously um but then there's also people that are just like not knowing what the because we haven't done this in years right so now we're like what is the protocol here so I think a lot of people just came into it more hesitant like I don't want to I don't want to be the person to break the bubble you know I don't want to be the person that like messes up uh breaks the rules by getting too close I feel like they probably left it to the talent to decide if they want to get closer or lean in more so I think that might be the explanation for why some pictures look more distant than others. But I feel like everybody was fairly open in terms of like the photo ops and like the meetings and whatnot. That's good. I mean, we're talking about a Doctor Who convention. Let's right. talk about your Doctor Who origin story. Uh, how did you get involved with Doctor Who? Um, I So it's one of those things that I had like casual awareness about for like a long time. I don't know how long. I don't have a sense of time, but... 
I was on Tumblr and it's like a height of Tumblr in my opinion. Tumblr might still be popping <laughs> and I just don't know because I, I grew out of it. But at the time, it was when all of fandom I felt like was happening on Tumblr. And so there was um, a lot of Doctor Who like gift sets, a lot of like, you know, posts about Doctor Who. Um, and so I was like, I want to, like, what is this? Like, what is it about? And it's so funny. I say funny every time because it is. But a lot of what I saw were like the Martha and Ten gift sets. So first and foremost, my idea of the show was completely warped based on what people were posting. I was like, oh, this is going to be great. So that's that. <laughs> um, that made me want to watch it. Also, separately, I had wanted to watch Torchwood because they were actually promoting that in the U.S. So I was like, this show looks great. I'm going to watch this. And then I realized or found out it was a part. I was like, oh, this is a spinoff from another show called Doctor Who. And I was like, oh, that's that show that I've been seeing. Yeah, so I'm going to just make it a thing. I'm going to watch Doctor Who, then I'm going to watch Torchwood. That was how it was. This was like, I think, 2012. Um, so at the time, Doctor Who was on Netflix, but it was like not HD. It was very much like 480p, maybe three. It was very, it was very bad. <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to watch it, whatever. And I like just decided to make it a thing and I watched it um, binged it I binged all I want to say six seasons in five days so like I went straight through everything that was available Whoa. like straight <laughs> through and it's funny because I had friends who had watched it already and so I'm just like DMing them thoughts and stuff as it happens but I'm like don't reply They're like don't tell me anything but I just have theories and thoughts or stuff like that so it was just a funny kind of like I just went through it um really really fast and I was shocked I was like, who is this man? Because <laughs> I, I had only seen Tenet just at that point. Like, I hadn't seen, I think I had seen Matt Smith, but I didn't, because I don't know what the show is about, really, and I didn't want to spoil myself. I didn't mm -hmm. know that that was the same character, obviously. So, oh, I shit. thought David Tennant was the doctor, right? And so, if I saw Doctor Who just with other people, I was like, I don't know who these people are. But I had never, I had not seen a single, like, Eccleston anything. So, when... He's the doctor. I'm like, what is this show? Like, what is happening? So I really went on that ride. Um, I, and I didn't want to Google it. I didn't want to know. I was, I think I was like texting friends. Like, what is like, what is happening? Don't tell me. Like, do not reply. But just let me, let me have this. But yeah, so I like powered through that in like five days. Um, and then I think I went directly to Torchwood because at the time I think that was available somewhere. It's like watch the whole of Torchwood, which is like not the same thing. Um, but I also kind of I love. I, I personally am a person who likes like dark and like violent things. So it didn't, it wasn't that bad for me. But then I somehow ended up, I, I did do the Sarah Jane Adventures also. Like, I think mm -hmm. that was on Amazon Prime. I was like, oh, this is a part of it. That's great. Watch that too. <laughs> like, so I did like a lot, I did all of that in a really short amount of time. Like, it was very quick. And so I was in it. And I was like, other people have to watch this. So I kept hustling my friends to watch it. And I say hustling, like, they'll come over. And I was like, oh, let's just put on something. And I like put on Doctor Who. Knowing that it's one of those things that people are like, what is this? And then like 20 minutes later, they like in it. And that's what happened every time. Uh, so I got like my two best friends into it. So I rewatched the first four seasons um, fairly regularly because those were my favorite seasons. Um, and then um, I caught up. So by the time... The season seven premiered. I was like ready to go. I was like, I'm watching it live. Here we go. Let's get it. And so that that was it. Like it was very. It was like a whirlwind. It was like, oh, I like this thing. I'm gonna just binge the whole thing. Um, and everything around it at the time, which was like, Torchwood, Sarah Jane. Um, <laughs> and I rewatched it a lot. Like, uh, like I said, the first four seasons were like 
the seasons that I liked the most of what was available at that time. And so, like, by the time I had, like, sat through, like, my friends watching it, I had been, like, watching it. I had watched it several times because I would also be, like, their guy. So, I'm like, oh, let's just, we're watching it together. Just come over. We can watch it at my house. Well, you know, when you went to people's houses. Um, <laughs> so... Yeah, it was it was a whirlwind thing and it was it was a shocking <laughs> like a shocking thing because the experience of watching it like what I got from it was so different than what the fandom had on like Tumblr. I was like is this the same show or like do y'all are y'all watching the same things that I'm watching cuz of course um people have different opinions on characters that I like um Martha in this case um, and I was like, it's surprising how much the written version of this character, you do not, like, you do not like her when you talk about the show, but you like her. They liked her in Jim, because that's why I really thought she was the main, like, I thought her and Tennant were, like, the leads of the show, and I didn't realize there were other ones, like, so that was interesting, so, um, that is both my Doctor Who origin and also the Black Tardis origin, because I was like, why are y'all like this? Martha is great. I'm going to have to fight y'all. And I love to fight. So that's where Black Tardis came from. <laughs> and you came into that show uh, a little later, right? Um, yeah. Who Watch? Oh, yeah. Who Watch? Oh, it went out a little bit. So I was double checking. Okay. Um, so I I actually met Black, Black Girls Create. They're who make Who Watch. Um, I met them because they were making Who Watch. And I was uh, writing at Black Tardis and doing. So we just were like, oh. Black girls talking about Doctor Who. So we would just tweet at each other and like, um, that was a thing. And then I did like one episode with them and I was like so nervous because I actually hate my voice. I don't listen back to any podcast, which has been a struggle for me. <laughs> so I was just kind of like a friend of the pod. And then I started working with them kind of in an official capacity. Like I helped moderate their community and like do other social media stuff with Black Girls Create. And so this season, I was like the only person who had been fully caught up. Um, and also was just genuinely excited about Flux. I was like, oh, it's an arc. I miss arcs. Like, what are arcs? Um, I love a story arc. <laughs> so I was like, I'm really excited about it. It's a short season, so we don't have to, like, super commit if we don't, you know, want to do it too long. And um, my other friend who works, who's at VGC was like, yeah, I'll do it. I'll be your co-host. I'm like, yeah, because I'm not doing it by myself. <laughs> and so we just decided, like, I would uh, join um, the, the previous hosts were like, we're not caught up. We don't have the mental energy, but we want to support you. So, um, that's pretty much what happened. I just wanted to talk about it. And at that particular time, I had not fully, um, like embraced the idea of podcasting as like a host. I was, I love, I'll be a guest. I'm, I, I love being a guest because I don't have to edit. I, like once I cut, you know, cut the recording, I have no responsibilities anymore. And that's like the perfect place to be for me. Um, but in doing Tarvis, um, who watch, I was like, I actually, I, I think I just, I think the way I talk is <laughs> like, I think I am better in audio form because I feel like so much of my writing is, you kind of have to know my voice for it to make sense. Um, and so I was like, I think I, I, I would do better on podcasts just generally, just because I have so many like quirks that, do not translate when I write or they translate. If you know me, they don't translate at all. If you don't know who I am, and a lot of people take things like very seriously, but people who know me are like, this is clearly a joke. And so I'm like, Oh, I need to like, people need to know that I'm joking and they can't really get that unless I'm like, you know, talking and they can pick it up in my voice. So I've started, uh, 
black tardis or like basically started working like podcasting with black tardis um and that's been <laughs> i just did my first like real episode uh yesterday and i <laughs> like i did a so i did a gallery recap which is my like i'm gonna just record this and then put it out so that people can like i don't have to type this up for one but also just to get a feel for it and it ended up being so stressful you know i made like a 30 minute episode and i was like wow i did a lot of work to get this little 30 minute episode um but the one i did yesterday was really great it was a conversation i had a friend on and like i was so excited at the end of it i was like started editing it immediately which is I'm a horrible editor, so I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> first and foremost. Um, and also, I hate my voice. That is still a thing I'm trying to get around, and I'm, like, getting used to it. But I don't like everything that I do. I'm like, ooh, can I? Is that a, do they have the tool for, like, getting rid of that thing? Which, no, because it's your voice. Um, and so I, I'm i still learning the editing part, but I was really excited about, like, I felt like it was a good, like, recording a good episode. And it made me just excited now to like all the things I have planned, I feel like very confident in them now because that, because of how well that one went. And also that isn't going so bad. It's not actually horrible. I'm not cringing every five minutes. Um, and like, hopefully that's something I'll get better at. But yeah, so I plan to do a lot more podcasting with Black Tardis and hopefully we'll still be doing Who Watch as well. Um, and I'm excited about it. That's great. Um, there's a lot of Doctor Who podcasts out there. I mean, mm-hmm. just just a ton. And um, you know, the beautiful thing about it is, if you want a a specific viewpoint, now it seems like it's it's achievable. You can find mm-hmm. something. Again, not all the the viewpoints are um, as represented as as some of them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I went from listening to I think it's safe to say at the height of my fandom at Doctor Who eight to ten podcasts a week, um, usually during during the season, just wanted to hear everyone's opinions of stuff, to three, I think, during Flux. I was listening to three podcasts. I, you know, I, I listened to, well, I mean, I listened to the Doctor Who podcast because we're on it, and I, <laughs> I do like listening to what my, my, my fellow co-hosts are talking about. Uh, Flight Through Entirety, love listening to those folks, um, and then listening to yours. Uh, and so those are the, essentially the three voices. And I feel like I really got a good chunk of, of an idea because everyone had differing opinions. But it's also really nice to hear those differing opinions because mm-hmm. I know what I think and I know what my opinions are. But yeah. I love listening to somebody else and, and, you know, change my mind, give me another perspective. So so good on you for continuing that. Yeah, I was. Mm-hmm. It's, that's my favorite part of it. Um my blog and podcast is um, an exploration of Doctor Who from a black AF perspective. And I wanted to be clear, like, I'm coming at it with, this is my lens, right? And so, I, yeah, there are so many pods, but I am very much bringing my brand of criticism and humor to it. And, like, there's so much room for it because there are so many perspectives we haven't gotten to see or hear much from in this fandom, I think. And so I'm like, I just hope more, even more, I want to hear more perspectives of people of color, queer people. Um, and so I'm like always excited about new podcasts and new, like even writing and things happening in the fandom from fans that we have historically not heard much from. Okay, so here comes the favorites question. <laughs> Do you have a favorite doctor, favorite companion, favorite story? 
see, this is hard for people, but it's not hard for me. Um, so nine is my doctor, um, because that's who introduced me to the show. That's like, he set the standard for what the show is and what the character is for me. And so it's like, I love him. And also just Christopher Eccles embodied that role. Like I still, to this day, like I know, like I'm usually, I'm a very like get over thing person, but I'm like, bring him back. Somebody fix it. We need him back. <laughs> um, and I rarely, I'm usually like, it happened. They're not coming back. They're living their life. And I feel that way. Cause I'm like, he's beyond it now, but also like, Hey, if you do want to come back, I feel like y'all should make room for him to come back. Um, so I love nine. My favorite companion is Martha because I always say like Martha really only needed the doctor for a ride. Like she really only needed the tar like access to things. She was always who she was. Um, she was always the, the per like the hero of her own story and just needed to kind of be in a position to do that. Like when we meet her, she's, like her and the doctor are equals in a lot of ways because they are always they're the people that are always taking charge and always trying to fix things whatever within their capability they're trying to do it and she was like that again like as soon as we meet her it's not something that that she discovers because she's traveling with the doctor it's something that's always in her and then traveling with the doctor just solidified it more so i love that about her um and my favorite so i have like i have multiple favorite episodes like for different reasons but one of my all-time favorites, and I always go back to it, Midnight. Um, because mm -hmm. it's such a haunting story, it makes you think so much about things that are like, yeah, we're, we're it's it's kind of like this unknown entity that they we never learn about, which I kind of love the ambiguity of that, but I really love what it like re, like what it uh, reveals about like just human nature and how we treat each other. And I just think it says something so kind of poignant, but it's but it's also kind of a simple episode. It's very like contained and like I don't know. And all the performances were really great. Like, that was just one of those episodes that is always, I never come away from it feeling like I didn't get something from it. And it's one of those, I know people are like, oh, Bleak is a great episode. And that is a great episode to like, if you have one episode to show somebody what the show is about. But to me, Midnight is that because it is worse. It is like, you're like, ooh, this is wild. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is the kind of dilemmas. These are the kind of things that happen around the doctor that like, I don't know. To me, it like lingers, it like sits with you a little bit in a way that like Blink doesn't for me. So I love Blink. I think it's a fun episode. That is a great like. If you have one episode to prove what the show is, but because I like people know what I like and they know I kind of like dark stuff or just they know I like to be like a little bit um <laughs> like a little dangerous, a little violent. They like yeah that midnight makes sense for that. So I found that people who haven't seen the show or haven't gotten that far yet. You're like, just put on midnight. Just like, check it out. And they're like, wow, like that's, this is messed up. Like, and it makes them think, they just sit there like that. I can't believe that. I'm like, right. And so that's what, that's why it's one of my like favorite episodes. It's like, you can't miss with that one. That's one of my favorites too. <laughs> but have you, um, how much have you dipped back into the classic series? So I watched the entire hard no era, like twice, mainly because it is, like I knew how to get to it um and now it is much more widely available but I have so I have to have a filter of like what it like like a trigger filter basically I just need to know what what these episodes are gonna like bring to me um and so like on multiple occasions I've like okay I want to watch some classic stories give me your favorites also like please tell me or warn me if there's something you know 
crazy happening. Like a few people are like, this is great, but there's a little bit of brown things. And I'm like, okay, thank you. That's important to know. Um, I don't want to be like that just pops up. But like, so I've had, I have a good list of like people's favorites that I'm actually planning to tackle like real soon because I've had it for a while and I've watched a lot of stories kind of by themselves, but not, they don't stick because I never have like a context for them. Sure. Um, and so like, I kind of vaguely remember the idea of the episodes and then somebody will be like, They'll say something I'm like, oh, I've seen that one, but I don't. I couldn't tell you off the bat. Like I've seen the one, um, and the only reason I remember this because I tweeted about it. I saw the one. I think the first time they had the plastic, or I don't know, but one of the little the <laughs> oh, Terror of the Autons. Yes, um, one of them looked kind of like Matt Smith, and I was like, oh goodness, he was Matt Smith before Matt Smith was Matt Smith, and I tweeted that, <laughs> and a lot of people were like, don't do that because that actually looks just like Matt Smith. I said, right. And so I remember that because I remember tweeting about it. Um, but also that just being like, I love, I love the corniness of the effects. And so like the amount of imagination required to like it really be in the show. Like it's much harder for us because we actually know like, you know, we see visual effects where like things are insanely, insanely detailed. So like I kind of love having to go like let myself really fully imagine what is happening um but yeah i've seen a good like a not like a lot but i've seen a a few episodes i think from each era so i have like a general idea but none of them within the context of a season so i don't have an arc or have any like character notes really like oh my this person is funny but i have no i don't actually know much about them so that is i definitely want to get do that with more intention like i was gonna watch them in order and everybody's like you shouldn't do that well, yeah, I'm not going to. Um, I did want to watch like the like the new like anytime there was a regeneration, and then watch the good episodes from those eras. Um, and so that's kind of the plan. I have like a good list of things that people have all like. There are some that are, like really like I literally just ranked it by how many people listed it, and so there are some that have like 25 people like listed to the episode. I'm like, yeah, that's a great episode. Clearly, like all these different people are not telling me to watch a bad episode so i had this list it's ranked by how many people nominated it um and it also has like a little note on the side of like things that people have told me are problematic so i can be aware of it so there are a few with obviously like yellow face brown face things like that like oh this character is a black character in there but he is not a black character like there's not you know so they will not speak the entire episode right so it's things like that that people were like gracious enough to like if somebody put up like oh i like this episode Somebody below them will be like, yeah, uh, note that she's a black, this is a black person. So maybe we should let them know that this is the thing that's happening. And I was very grateful for that. I was like, actually, please give me all of those warnings. So that way, because if I'm watching it with a friend or somebody, I wanted to be able to prepare them too. Like, oh, this is going to be slightly racist, but like it's, it's classic. So we know what we're getting into, but having a little bit of like a guide is very, very helpful. That's awesome. Well, you know, I would love to see that list. Actually, I'm always, I'm always fascinated by by what people recommend. Mm-hmm. You were talking about showing Doctor Who to your friends, and um, you know, I feel like every person has favorite episodes. But your favorite episode and the episode that you would introduce a new viewer to are very different. And I remember being on a panel some years back where they're like, what episode do you introduce your children to? Or like, you know, the the age of your viewer or what their likes. So there's such a wide variety of Doctor. And but that's sort of the joy of the show is that 
so many genres have been tackled and so many stories and themes have been tackled that there probably is going to be a story that's perfect introduction for for a new viewer regardless of who they are and if you if you're you know familiar with their their likes and so on walking yes with no kind of assistance no cane no braces i've read about implants in rats with severed spines but i thought we were a long way from putting those in a human being let alone a poor teenager from freeland it's a billion dollar technology right at least it stinks of proctor and the asa just another experiment being run on some young black kid. Not one more in the newspaper archive. Okay, that's a total of 42 kids missing. Plus Nima. Oh, wait, you only saw three dozen pods, right? Does that mean seven are dead? I have no way to know that, Jefferson. Oh, it can't be easy keeping them stable, especially if they have to move them. We need to find these kids before the ASA decides to relocate them again. Yeah. Catching Proctor is the best way for us to shut this down. I mean, speaking of a wide variety of viewing, um, whenever we bring a guest onto the show, we know that Doctor Who is not the end-all and be-all of their fandom, so we ask our guests to choose another show that they want to discuss. So, Nicole, would you tell us what show you've brought to us uh, this month and <laughs> why you chose it? Um, so the show I chose was Black Lightning. Um and I chose it because it is, it's a, so it's like a, it's a comic book show. It's like a superhero show. So it, it has all of the elements of like kind of fun zaniness that you get with superhero shows, but it is extremely grounded and extremely authentic and real. And it's one of the shows that like, when I'm watching it, it's, it's it feels like a mirror. Um, it feels very reflective of our reality. Um, and so it hits that perfect mark of being like an extremely, um, topical show and something that's very relevant to real life but also managing to also be fun because of the fact that it's taking place in the universe where like people have powers and people you know um, you know can shoot lightning out their fingers um, <laughs> and so I love I, I love again I said it before I love pain I love violence it's, it's a sickness I guess I don't know but it, 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 it gives you that but it's also you have just enough <laughs> of the like fantastical to be distracted by when they're very like <laughs> grounded and very realistic and so i like i like that um kind of juxtaposition of like the reality versus the the fantastical did you start watching when it was when it first came out or did you pick up on it later yeah i watched it from uh, series premiere to a series finale uh i watched it straight through um i think i've only gotten behind a few episodes but because like CW shows would get onto like Netflix like the week after they air. Even if I missed them, I would usually catch up like right when they dropped on Netflix. Um, so pretty much stayed with it consistently for all five seasons. I'm so bad with numbers. Uh, five seasons, I believe. But yeah, beginning to end. So what is it about the show that that keeps you coming back to it? Like, what was it about the show that specifically talked to you? Um, like I said, it's really grounded. Um, it's really it's it's like hard to explain it's not super hard to explain but it's very topical so like in the show the 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 city name is like freeland and it's like a majority people of color um like urban city so you think about all of the things that come with that and like 
you know, underfunded uh, services, you know, the education is not given the, uh, like, the attention it deserves, all of these other things that you kind of associate with, like, um, <laughs> lower income kind of cities. And so we have that as a backdrop. So we already have the reality of, like, being a black or being brown in those areas and, like, living as a black person in those spaces. And then you top, you add on to the fact that there are <laughs> metahumans and people who are powered. But it is a part of the story that metahumans are discovered. Like, metahumans become a part of the narrative. Um, and that changes the power dynamics because now you have these people who are, like, historically... Um, underappreciated and like neglected and some of these people can now you know like snap their fingers and a building falls you know what i mean like so you it, power dynamic changes so much and then we have the main character black lightning Jeff, jefferson pierce who is like he's power he had quit uh being <laughs> um like a superhero and he's like the teacher at his school and he's like he his power is like his relationship with the community and his students and so then it's that that double life of like you're trying to make changes in a real tangible way as an educator but you're also trying to make changes as a vigilante and like what that looks like and so for me it was just the dynamic of like a that power dynamic in the whole entire city because again there are people who are like random people getting powers which is a it's a part of the story um like it is a part of the um I'm trying to explain it without, like, giving it all away. But, like, it's a part of the story how these people get powers. And it's a part of that power dynamic. And it's a, a part of that kind of, like, oppressive structure. Um, and so it flips it flips it on its head a little bit because, you know, and giving these people power, you also empower them. Um, but it's still, like, a struggle. And so I love that kind of just back and forth between, like, the, like different types of power and how that's exerted and how people gain access to it and how you lose access to it and how you use it, utilize it. Uh, abuse it um and i love that and then really it's just the characters i'm like obsessed with the pierce family i think that is like a really um, beautiful family dynamic that they have and then the two daughters um jennifer and anissa also get powers or like their powers reveal themselves and so just them growing into that power is uh like a lovely journey to watch and it's yeah i was just very invested in them as characters it's a it's such a cool show. Um, Brent, had you seen this program prior to preparation for this interview? No, I remember when it was on, but I was watching so many things um, at the time, so I didn't want to start another show. But I, I really liked it. Um, like uh, like you were saying, Nicole, the characters all seem down to earth. Their interactions seem realistic. Um, to, in other words, like it was totally understandable why his his wife left in the first place. Mm -hmm. You know, she had that fear that probably most police spouses or firefighter spouses get that their loved one won't come home one night. Um, and Jefferson is the town school principal, so of course he wants to defend his school and his town from all the gang violence and all the other stuff, uh, drugs and all that. So I only watched the first season. Um, I heard it gets a little far-fetched later going out into outer space and all that, but, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I'm sure if it was written well. Is that right? No. Um, well, see, what happens is the beginning of Black Lightning up to about season three is not in the Arrowverse. 
So it is a completely self-contained show. Oh, but it okay. is in DC, you know, it's the DC canon, right? So when they try to, every year, the, the Arrowverse shows yeah. do the crossover. And so that's when it gets mm-hmm. outlandish because now you're bridging different universes. Um, and so right, they had to, okay. they bring Black Lightning into it by pulling them into one of the crossovers. And that's how they become a part of the like overall DC uh, universe and Arrowverse. But for up until that point, they were self-contained and pretty much only, they are pretty much self-contained at all times except for the crossovers, which I think is actually problematic personally. But um, yeah, it is. <laughs> but <laughs> so that explains why it's like a complete, like when they do involve, when it becomes a part of the Arrowverse, it's like, oh, now we're in different universes because the Arrowverse has already has the scope of that has already, they've already introduced like, oh, there are multiple universes. Like Supergirl is technically in a different universe than Arrow and the Flash. Arrow and the Flash are in the same universe, literally universe, like universe. I forgot the numbers, like Earth 105 or whatever. I don't remember them, but they're separate. And so Black Lightning is pulled into that already pre-existing kind of structure. And so, yeah, it gets outlandish um, when they have to like justify all those being in the same shared universe. But it doesn't get outlandish by comparison to the other superhero shows that are <laughs> were also on the CW. And so it's one of those things. But for because it's such a grounded show, I can see how that like somebody's like, oh, they're they're going to space. Um, it see, might seem outlandish just because of how grounded the show is. But um, I now realize what the going to space part is. They don't go to space. Um, but I don't want to give this away because I feel like if you do watch it, the, what happens? You can be like, oh. Just what we doing? Um, so I kind of want to leave that, but yeah, no, I don't think it gets outlandish in a way that is unexpected for a superhero show. Um, but I do think mm-hmm. it can be outlandish when you are so used to the show being very heavily grounded in reality and kind of like the characters being extremely representative of like real um, populations of people. Like you kind of forget it is a superhero show a lot of times because so much of the story is about the the people in the city and that is like you take away the, uh, the the powers and it's just a drama about like inner city life right like the powers and the that's what makes it a superhero show and i think it's so good at being grounded that when you lean into the like zaniness of people having powers and you really let people show those powers and you bring in <laughs> villains and people who have weird powers you forget that that is actually a part of the 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 framework of the show because generally they spend a lot of time building the characters and building the story in that way yeah i I watched all of arrow and i watched maybe three years of the flash before i gave up on that but yeah whenever they did the yearly crossover thing it i actually didn't enjoy those they they, it was just it was too much so uh, i see what you're saying but but yeah just the uh the fact that everything felt grounded in black lightning was that was a large part of the appeal to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, same. Yeah, um, I'm kind of curious about, for both of you, if you were familiar with the character prior to the show coming out. Me? Um, I was not aware that Black Lightning was Black Vulcan from the Super Friends cartoon <laughs> that I used to watch as a kid on Saturday mornings. Um in fact, they even got the name wrong after I looked it up. I thought, all these years, I thought they were calling him Black Falcon. I didn't know it was Black Vulcan. <laughs> <laughs> but I had no idea it was the same character until Drew told me. Uh, then I went back to HBO Max and watched a couple of shows with him in it. So, yeah, I thought it was a brand new character that CW made up. I had no idea he was from back in the day. <laughs> um, so I have, I'm not super into comics because, like, 
they overwhelm me and like I love them visually but I never I can't it's just hard for me to read them um but I'm like I had casual awareness because there's kind of a running joke about the fact that so many black superheroes have like electricity powers and so there's like black lightning static shock even storm even though that is kind of minimizing her power set but like it comes down to like you can shoot electricity out your fingers or manipulate electricity it was like a running joke I guess and so I, I had casual awareness because of that kind of like meme or that trope that is being that like we people talk about um so I like vaguely knew um who he was but I didn't know the character so I wasn't I, I went into it like one of the superheroes that have the you know sparkly fingers and then it ended up being <laughs> a lot deeper than that which is what I hoped and what I wanted but um yeah no only pretty much as an idea or as like a concept of just like a black superhero who had electric powers gotcha yeah um for whatever reason, uh, when I was younger, I was really drawn to black superheroes, and a lot of them became my favorite titles to collect, and Black Lightning was one of them, so this is a, a character that I kind of grew up reading, and I was both very excited to see how the show would, would present that character, but also a little, a little trepidatious, mm-hmm. uh, and the fact that the show came out um, when it did which I think was like 2017 or, or late 2017, early 2018 during the Trump administration too, was kind of an interesting take on it. And, and I agree with what both of you said in that I actually found the superhero aspect of the show less interesting than the drama aspect of it. Um, even though you always want them to do right by the character that you saw in the comic, once Pierce puts on the Black Lightning outfit... I found it less interesting uh, or less engaging. It's, it's kind of cool to see, but I got so wrapped up in the dramatic narrative of who they are as a family and how, how they interact with this town. And, and you know, the fact that I think the only, in the first couple of episodes, like the only white characters you see are, are police, which is clearly an intentional thing. Uh, and and I, I really, I loved what was coming for it. And, and don't worry, I'm going to slap, we're going to slap a... a a, a minor spoiler warning um, <laughs> on this. I mean, it, it, you're absolutely correct, Nicole, in not giving away too much of anything. But you know, we can we can spoil a little. Um, but there was a moment, uh, and I agree with you. Uh, the, the whole uh, black superhero with lightning powers has been done so many times to the point where now it's like almost self-referential. There's a moment I think in the very first episode where Black Lightning encounters two police officers. And they attempt to tase him. And it suddenly took on such a different connotation, what those powers meant. Mm -hmm. In the same way that Luke Cage is Mm -hmm. bulletproof at a time where, you know, thanks to smartphones, we're seeing these attacks on uh, the the, the police are, are taking part in, seeing so many people being gunned down, to, to be able to see the police tasing people uh, and then having no effect i feel like there's that moment in that show where that takes on a completely different power socially to the point where i would not at all be surprised if we didn't see uh, a a black a hero of color who had some sort of like breath control coming up soon where like taking people's breath away wouldn't be another form like that manifestation of the power like like the power has a a deeper, higher call or meaning to it. Um, but 
agreed with both of you. I really enjoyed what little of the show. I, I, this is one of those programs. I say this every single time we bring a guest on uh, that I'm going to, you know, after watching the show, I'm going to continue watching it. But I, I have no choice but to continue watching this to the, the full extent. Sadly, I've read all, I think it's four seasons, um, the synopsis of all of them. So I have an idea what's going to happen. But I, I want to watch them. You know, like it's, it's, this is too good of a program um, not to, to kind of continue and, and keep up with. And I think what I'm going to do with it is rather than binging it, which I feel sometimes can be very problematic. It's one of those things where even watching classical Doctor Who, watching it all in the same time is not how the show is meant to. I'm going to pace it, I think. I think that I'm going to enjoy the program more if I watch like one a week, two a week kind of a thing. Um, I, I, I want to I ask, Nicole, how you felt. And I know, Brent, this is not one that can apply to you because you haven't seen the ending of the, the series, but you know the show ended. So it's, it's you know, at, at this point in time, from what little research, it ended late last year in 2021 so were you satisfied with the ending um yeah uh because it's funny because you mentioned a specific scene that has what my thought is that it's a closed loop uh they come full circle in a very satisfying way so the show ends in a way where everything is resolved that is introduced or you know like everything major that we care about is resolved in a way that is satisfying and so there's a closed loop so there is like a mirror to the scene you're talking about in the, the last season, right? There awesome. are there are things that are called back to, but now because we're it's been multiple years, different things have happened. There's a different reaction to that, um, and so I love that you mentioned, like again, like how that power, like how his power is um, recontextualized in this kind of like modern setting with like especially against um, like state violence and and <laughs> you literally describe a a power that someone has. Um, not exactly oh, really? in the okay. way that they, the way you described it, but it's something about like the way that they, their breath control is important to their power set. And so mm-hmm. not breathing is a part of how they use their power. Um, so I can't wait till you get to that point. Um, I don't think, it's, I don't think you have to wait super long. Um, it's not like, no, oh, last I, life I, I know which character you're okay. referring to. So yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. like, like when you recontextualize it with these other, uh, like outside forces it changes what that power means even if it's like it's a simple power like oh you know i control electricity but you're being changed that then you in that situation i am now the power empowered here and you are not right and so mm-hmm. again that's one of, my, one of my favorite uh aspects and so yeah the finale um it left it ambiguous enough that we can return to these characters but when we when we come back to them they're, we're not starting in the same place, right? Like, they actually put them in a place where, like, you expect to see them just, I don't, I don't again, don't want to give it away. But I think, because that's the very end. But, like, there are characters that you, like, I hope we can see them, what they're doing now, because it left off where, like, this person is now an established hero, whatever they're doing. Um, and there are so many opportunities for them to, like, uh... You know, they, there's so many ways for them to exist beyond this story, and so I, I I love the idea that we can always return to them. But also, we got such a, a conclusion for the story that we've already been invested in, and right, like we don't feel like things were left open um, that we needed to get resolved in order to feel like, you know, I sat here for five seasons, like 
you know, why would you not answer this? Or why would you not answer that? It's none of that. Like, there are obviously things that get dropped over a couple of seasons where it's like, mm, they did not return to this storyline. I don't think they remember. Um, but nothing major. <laughs> none of the, like, really major things, major characters are left like that. And so I really enjoyed the finale because it just felt, it's hard to explain because some things are, like, big and, like, loud and was, like, impactful but then when you think about them it's like i don't think we actually got an answer for a single question whereas this one is like i feel like it went out in such a like measured way where like everything that you want to know everything that's important to the story is resolved but there's still just enough answers um enough questions left unanswered that you have like i can think about like the future of these characters and what this show could be like if it came back or if we you know, came back and focused on Jennifer or focused on Anissa and what those shows could look like and what those stories could look like. I like that there's a lot of um, ambiguity there for that, but not so much that you don't um, don't feel like you were rewarded for watching the whole series. Well, speaking of favorite characters, before we let you go, I wanted to ask you uh, who your favorite characters were and, and Drew, you as well. <laughs> Um, for me, so I was invested in the Jefferson, like in the, sorry, in the Pierce family as a, like a unit. I felt like their dynamics were so important and so, um, integral to my like investment in the show as a whole. Um, and so I love them all, but I also like specifically love Anissa and it's funny because my answer for why is very similar to my answer for Martha, which is that. Before Anissa gets power, she's a doctor. She's like, uh, she's an activist. She is always the person that she is. She has, she doesn't have to grow into, like she gets powers and that just makes her more of herself. Just like Martha gets on the TARDIS and that just makes her more of herself. It doesn't change who she is. It highlights it. It gives her an opportunity to do it. Um, and you know, and have power behind it. And so I love Anissa because that is a very consistent character. Like at the very, they call her, um, do they call her Tubman? They, like, that's a joke because like she's always fighting yeah. for freedom, right? <laughs> and so that's who she is. They never changed that. They elevate it because now she has power behind her, right? Like she can actually do things. But she doesn't change. She just becomes more of herself. And so I love that because it just means that like everybody doesn't have to like, we don't all have to like have struggle with getting power. We don't all like, some people get in power and they just know how to wield it, right? And some people have to, mess up a lot before they know what their place is and for her it was very much like oh i have powers now this is going to make me give me more opportunities to do what i already want to do and so i love that about her also she's like she's a black girl she's lesbian also she's a doctor so it's like you see these different identities represented it um represented it is not the word um represented <laughs> <laughs> and so i love that because she's very openly like who she is it's never she is never like, the show starts and she's already this person. There's not, like, a coming out. It's like, oh, she's just, you know, a lesbian girl. You know, she's a doctor. Like, there's never a question of who she is. And she wears her her power so well and is one of the few characters who doesn't really struggle at all with the powers. Because um, even the art, the titular hero has moments where he's like, I don't know about... I mean, that's, you know, if you've seen the, the premiere... It's like, it's a part of his internal struggle, like the powers versus like his real life. Where with her, like she she immediately was like, powers are my real life, like this is who I am. And so I love that she just embraced that and is consistent throughout the whole series and is always just exactly who she is. Mm -hmm. I have two. Uh, first off, I like all of the main characters, but 
in particular, I really like Jennifer because she really didn't want all of the powers mm-hmm. she discovered. She just sort of went along with it, unlike her sister who jumped in with both feet and you know immediately wanted to help people. But uh, Jennifer is just, to me, just a realistic, moody teenager. My other favorite character was Gamby, and he's sort of like the Alfred to Jefferson. But more more so than the character, I liked him because he's uh, played by James Remar, who was in a bunch of action movies in the 80s. He was the bad guy in 48 Hours. He was uh, in one of my favorite action movies called Quiet Cool with uh, Daphne Ashbrook from the 96 TV movie. Um, so if you haven't seen Quiet Cool, look it up. It's awesome. Uh, but again, it's, it's one of those rare shows where I liked every single character. They all had their own, uh, something that they brought to the show. Even the bad guys. Especially the bad guys. <laughs> Tobias yeah. is the worst character in the world. And I love him. Like, I That's love true. him. And like, again, they, they keep, like, they keep that energy throughout. They do not change. These characters grow and develop, but they don't change. And I don't know how to explain that, but like. You very much get that person. As long as they're on screen, you get that same person. They don't try to make Tobias something he's not. I love that. They have such a desire to make bad people good or to humanize them. And they don't do Mm -hmm. that with their villains. They very rarely try to put you in the position of seeing that person's point of view. They're like, yeah, we all all go through shit. But, hey, some (laughs) of us choose to be bad. And, like, they don't give people (laughs) off, like... Out for it, and I love that. And so that is one. And even with like you say, Gamby is your favorite. I love Gamby because Gamby is extremely ambiguous morally, right? Like it's very ethically gray as a character. And so his relationship to Jefferson is so interesting because it's like, without giving too much away, it's like he's in part of why Jefferson is the way he is. Um, yeah. and so it's like his whole entire life at this point is like making up for those past things. And so it's such a interesting uh dichotomy and like an interesting juxtaposition of him against like these heroes but it's also kind of like the villain like it's 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 i love it i do love i love him and he's always he just always plays um that kind of morally (laughs) ethically gray person like that's that's his bag so well it's very similar to his role in Dexter, yeah. <laughs> right? Exactly. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, because he he's the father in Dexter, so he's everything. He's the flashbacks, which is like not giving right. away anything for Dexter because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not the show we're talking about. Right. But yeah, it's like I there's a there's something about the guiding hand. Yeah, but using the guiding hand is insisting on the violence, <laughs> like, which is uh, um yeah. yeah. I think for me, since I mean clearly, I want to <laughs> the heroes of the comics are the heroes of the show too, and and I like how. As the comic has involved, the show has involved to bring in characters that are a part of Jefferson's larger family. I think that's cool. But I gotta say, the moment Tobias Whale came on <laughs> screen and I saw how they adapted what could potentially be a very problematic character in the comic books to, the, I think the way they handled that was brilliant. Was brilliant. And and here's the thing: if you don't have a good villain, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily matter. And it could have been that the 100 could have functioned as a gang with different, you know, lieutenants and such. And I think they would have been a fine foil for one season of the show. But you get a mastermind who has their own powers, but who has their own philosophy and has their own ambiguity or morality. And and they don't try to make Tobias Whale uh, realistic. I mean, they do. 
but there's like they still have some pretty like you know what so you've got a tank full of piranhas in <laughs> in the center of your office and you happen to be an expert harpoonist a skill that no one today needs to have but at the same time you know like it's all part of this super weird comic book mythology mm-hmm. that when you start looking at characters of color especially that were created in the 70s there's issues with that um and they handled them with a plum uh in a way that I think is like I just I kept on wanting to applaud the show every time something new happened that that was both a nod to the comic but had been reimagined but also you couldn't have made this program at any other time than the time it was made yeah and it felt a part of the time and it felt the show felt like a reaction to what was happening in the real world as opposed to like we could get a flash flash anytime arrow dark and moody but black lightning man if black lightning had been in the same Arrowverse for the entire series that show's not going to work like it is absolutely anytime you have a, a program where you are looking at the issues are one of how does one person or one culture fight something else. If you've got Superman flying around, the show's done. You know, like it's it's not going to work. When you have characters who can just fly down, can take a thousand bullets, can wipe out a hundred gang members uh, in an afternoon, that doesn't work. Like Black Lightning doesn't exist in, in that larger universe. And even when it does, you know, I'm, I'll be curious to see how that works. But no, I think the show is very cool. And I'm so happy that you have provided an excuse for me to revisit this show and those characters. Like, I even went back and looked at my old comics and kind of flipped through them uh, to kind of see what was available. Um, Nicole, before we let you go, is there anything that you would like to plug? Any projects that you've got coming up that you want to talk about? Um, Yeah, so I recently launched a Patreon, um, and I have, among other things, a Doctor Who-specific tier where I'll be releasing episode commentaries, um, podcasts, like companion debates and more um and so you can find that at patreon.com forward slash nick fury n-i-q-f-u-r-y um and you can find all of my stuff at nickfury.com spelled the same way brilliant awesome well thank you so much for for joining us this month to to talk about well just everything (laughs) thank you for having me this was great and i hope you both go back to the show i really want you to watch it and i want to hear what you think absolutely and we'll you know We'll uh, maybe post our thoughts on it on, on the, the social media or the pages and stuff like that. So thank you again for, for joining us to Who and Company. Who and Company, come for the fandom. Stay for the company. Thanks for joining us at Who and Company. Special shout out to Pixel Who for providing our logo. They can be found at facebook.com slash pixelwho. Who and Company can be found on iheartradio.com and Spotify. Or you can download the show directly from whoandcompany.libsyn.com. Contact us on Twitter at Who and Company, support the show on Patreon.com slash Who and Company, or email us at Who and Company at Yahoo.com. Thanks, and see you next month. That's my dress. Oh, yeah. So is this one? Now hurry up and put it on before Dad gives birth to a small farm animal.